Happy New Year, everyone. Would you do me a favor? Let's welcome all those joining us on Facebook Live. Let them know how awesome it is to have our online family today. Happy New Year to all of you. I, uh, I actually can't wait until New Year's 2021. And that way I can truly uh, say hindsight's 2020. Um, that's not funny. <laughs> that's, that's so bad. Uh, I did hear someone in the lobby uh, tell me earlier that their New Year's resolution was to lose weight, and they said so far the only thing they've lost is their motivation to lose weight. Um, I did hear the joke, how many married couples do we have in the room today? How many married couples? I did hear the joke, uh, the wife walked into the room, when she walked into the room, her husband was standing on the weight scale. Uh, he, he's, he's standing on the weight scale, and he's actually like sucking his stomach in. He's holding his, his belly in, and the wife walks in the room, and, and she looks at her husband as he's sucking his stomach in, and she tells him, she's like, you know, honey, that doesn't help. And he said, oh, actually, it does. He's like, it's the only way I can see the numbers. Uh, <laughs> but happy New Year, everyone. Some exciting news in-house we want to share. It's our NOW campaign for our kids and students expansion. So we've been meeting with banks, processing that. The entire project, somewhere between $1.5, $1.7 million. Uh, but all new classrooms, stadium seating, uh, play areas for the kids. It's going to help with our sound levels, worship areas, so many amazing things, whether it's kids, uh, our students, even into the college ages. It's going to be a game changer, we believe, for that side of our campus, of our building and uh, hoping to do it now, uh, 2020, this year. And so uh, as we continue to navigate through that, we're trying to raise as close to four or $500,000 as possible uh, for the sake of cash flow in the banks. And we have already had, just in the last few weeks, we're right now around 125000 uh, So I want to thank everyone that has given already, and that's exciting uh, that, we are, that we are there. And so I want to thank you, even in the lobby uh, today after the last service, several people was telling me they either gave earlier in the service uh, or they're planning to give this month, and so I thank you for that. Also, word of the year. Uh, many of you have been sharing with us your word of the year. They say statistically in studies that when people make New Year's resolutions, sometimes they wane or waver off those pretty quickly, but the word of the year gives you a compass for the entire year, uh, just something to ask yourself, what would this word do for me this year. And so I love hearing from you as you share and post about what your word of the year is. Our word here at the church is going to be discipleship or maybe a word you can relate to development. And so you'll hear us use that word discipleship or development a lot this year. We believe that 2020, we're going to try to do everything we can uh, to develop ourselves spiritually and even parentally, family, just in so many areas of your life. So we're excited about 2020. 20. I want to share with you in our time together today a subject, a sermon that I think is so imp uh, important. I really do. I think it's one of the most important messages that we could ever hear in our lives. And so I'm asking you to block out distractions, block out anything that could take your mind off of the message today, and just lean in, uh, if at all possible. Uh, take mental notes. Maybe you want to take actual notes. But in the next 30 minutes, you would ask God to speak to your heart. I believe these types of messages that I'm going to share uh, could, could have such a profound impact on your spirituality and your relationship with God. And so I've been looking forward the last couple of weeks to sharing it. 
and we're here. And, and I'm glad that you're here in the room and online, and I'm, I'm believing that his, his word is going to speak to you today. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We'll be glad in it. We're glad we're here. Let your word speak to us today. God, as we open up our hearts and minds to your word, God, I ask that you would bless every church in our region, North Central Ohio, beyond. You'll do special things in the body of Christ today, the kingdom of God. Let the church move forward. I pray for our nation. I pray for our world that you'll continue uh, to be involved in the hearts of our leaders. We pray for their wisdom, direction. And so, God, we thank you today, God, that you will continue to let your word uh, take preeminence and priority. You'll continue to let your church be salt and light. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone say clean. Can we say that word together? Clean. As we start 2020, I want to focus on the word clean. What would it look like for you to enter into this new year clean? This is my 30th year of ministry or some type of pastoral leadership. I graduated in 1990 and went to Bible college. And while I'm at Bible college full-time through the week, on the weekends we would uh, intern out, travel out to different churches and serve or speak at these churches. The summer times... Uh, we would take the entire summer and we would go to different places and intern. And I spent my summers in places like Dalhousie, my second year, Gray Rapids, my third year in a place called Chipman. 1993, when I graduated, I began to travel. In my travels, I was back and forth across Canada numerous times and worked my way into the States, was in 17 states. In my travels, I met my wife, Angel, who is from Ohio. And in my travels, I had the opportunity to be in several hundred churches. Some of them would have been smaller churches in northern parts of, of Ontario, Indian reserves, prison schools, uh, to churches that were larger in size. And out of my travels and earlier years of ministry, I, I did kids' ministry, student ministry, executive pastor, planted churches. A lot of different things, and I would like to, in our time together today, take those 30 years and share with you a simple message that I have learned over the course of that time. That is what I believe is arguably the most justified situation or struggle, and in some cases even sin, the most justified issue that... I have observed in my 30 years, when it comes to things we should work on, or change, or adjust, but for whatever reason, we justify it, and we create loopholes so that we don't ever really have to deal with this subject that we're going to talk about today. Over that period of time, one thing that it seems like I've noticed is that there are people with certain sins or struggles 
that have no problem admitting either I'm wrong, this is wrong, I need to change. Some people will tell me things like, I'm not even coming to church right now, I want to get my act together. In other words, there's a self-admission, I need to work on this. I've often told those people, it's not about getting your act together, that's why we need Jesus, it's why we need a Savior, it's why we need a church. We, we come and God helps us, but, but in their mind, there's things that they need to ch- uh, change or work on in their life. I've had people that will tell me, Pastor Micah, I'm battling pornography, or Pastor Micah, I had an affair, Pastor Micah, my excessive addictions or habits or DUIs or the legality side of life, I, I would have so many conversations that could flood my mind where people would tell me I was wrong or I sinned. I need to change. But this subject that we're going to talk about today is something that when I sit in those same meetings, it's not I was wrong, it's not I need to change, it's not God really needs to to help me. What what we're going to talk about today is something that it seems like over the years, is justified by people. That we have an excuse. Or we have a valid reason. The subject I want us to talk about in our time together today is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Can we say that together? Unforgiveness. People will say things Like, Pastor Micah, I'll love them, but I won't like them. Or I'll like them, but I won't love them. They'll say things like, I may forgive, but I will never, will never trust them. People will often sit in those office settings or in conversations or dialogue. And over those 30 years, I'll often hear the same type of story flow or rhythm when they begin to use phrases or terminology like, you don't know my ex. Or you don't know, you don't know my last church. Or you don't know my employer. Or you don't know my uncle, or you don't know, and people people will begin to give the reasons or the names of why they don't really have to make an effort, or they don't really have to sacrifice or work at the subject of forgiveness. When you look at unforgiveness, there are many things that could make up unforgiveness. Some of the simple things are just deep hurt and pain. If you're trying to figure out and put your finger on, okay, what what is unforgiveness, Micah? What does that even mean? Here's a couple of words that that could help you today. The first is when, when you and I 
have unforgiveness. I've had unforgiveness before. I think that all of us have ongoing opportunities every day for these things to attach themselves to us. The first thing when we have unforgiveness is we want revenge or retaliation. Revenge or retaliation. There's no wonder the Bible would say that vengeance is mine. I, meaning God, I will repay. Because it's, it's as if God knows that you and I, we're going to want to give a piece of our mind. We're going to want to handle it. We're going to want to deal with it. We're going to want some type of revenge or retaliation. And there are some people that do that. You could have songs that are written that will skyrocket and be the number one song because when we begin to sing about we're going to take a Louisville slugger to both lines. Right? You're going to take your car key and you're, you're going to write down the sign and the song will skyrocket. Because people can relate to the joy, the fulfillment of getting some type of revenge or retaliation. People will often encourage it. Give them a piece of your mind. Let them know where you stand. You can scroll social media for five minutes and you will see people that if... We'll use words, this is why I'm saying in 30 years, I think it's the most justified. We'll use words like, I just got to get it off of my chest. And so we're going to get on a a phone or a computer and we're going to let people know what we think about that restaurant or what, what we think of that hotel or what we think of that person or what we think about. Because there's something about revenge or retaliation that we want to get even. Other people, you're not as you're not as public with your pain. You're not as public with this retaliation or revenge, but but you have like like this inside party, like hats, whistles, jumping up and down, smiley faces. It's on the inside of you. That when you hear about that person struggling or losing their job or something goes downhill or awry, you may not say it, but on the inside of you, it's like, it's revenge or retaliation. The second thing with unforgiveness is resentment. Resentment is such a deep hurt that you actually give it a home. You give it a home in your heart. You're going to harbor it for so long that it's going to take up residence. This resentment says I'm going to stay angry. We could 
sing songs like, I surrender all, but you know full well he gets some, but God does not get all. This means that there are places of your heart that are off limits to the Holy Spirit. There are places in your life that you are going to keep God at arm's length. You can have this, but you cannot have that. The third part of unforgiveness is what I would call remembrance. Remembrance. Where you say, I will never forget. Ever. You talk about it like it happened five minutes ago. It could have been five years or 50 years. But for you, you have determined, you have decided, I will never forget. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, this is really important today. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. First John says, if you say you love God and you hate them, One parable, one story. The Bible says a Lord forgave his servant for a big bill, a big debt. That servant went out, met someone on the street that owed him, and held him accountable. When the Lord heard what had happened, he called back in the man and rescinded. The Bible will say things like if you come to the altar and at the altar you realize your brother hath thought against you. Leave your gift at the altar. Go make it right. I want to remind you today of the importance of forgiving other people of their sins. Ernest Hemingway tells a story of a father and his son who had a very strained relationship. This relationship was so strained between this dad and his boy that it actually broke and the son ran away. The father began a journey of searching for his rebellious son. He tracked him all the way to Madrid. Ernest Hemingway tells the story that in a last desperate effort to find his boy, the father put an ad in the local newspaper. The ad read like this, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. Your dad. Ernest Hemingway wrote that the next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, there was hundreds of Pacos that showed up. The lesson of the story that Ernest Hemingway was telling us is that I believe there's so many people on this planet that struggle with forgiveness, offense, hurt, bitterness. Proverbs says that a brother offended, a person that struggles with this, is harder to be one than a strong city. 
And his contentions are like the bars of a castle. So we talk today about clean. What would it look like in your life for you to be clean? When you look at the word clean, there's a lot of different definitions, but but one of them means to get things in order. They will say when you clean, clean a garage, clean a closet, clean a fridge, clean a room. They'll say you actually feel better about yourself simply because you cleaned. I don't want to give a message on hygiene today. But it's amazing how much just the shower, bath, some warm water. It's a miracle worker. Clean. Some people will say that they eat clean. I want to eat clean. I love hearing all the stories of people who are finding freedom from addiction. Our freedom nights that we host here at Storyside. People have apps on their phone and they will come up to me often and they will show me. They have the days, the minutes, the seconds. They will say, Pastor Micah, I have been clean. They'll tell me 37 days, 6 months. They'll tell me the hours and the minutes. And they're so excited about how long they have been clean. When someone tells the truth. My dad used to always say, Micah, if you'll tell me the truth. Not to be as much consequence. Just tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. If you have kids, I have four kids, or something about truth telling. If you're married, when you come to the table of truth and you communicate and you talk, there's something about telling the truth that they'll actually even say it. That, that when you tell the truth, it's your way of coming clean. Paul said this in Acts 24, verse 16. Paul is an apostle, he's a spiritual leader, but he had a troubled past. He said this, as he is now in spiritual leadership, he said, herein do I exercise myself to have always, notice this, to have always a conscience void to offense toward God and toward men. The Passion Translation said, that's why I seek with all my heart to have a clean conscience toward God and towards others. Notice the word the Bible used. He said, I exercise. Other translation says, I endeavor. I make an effort. I strive. I maintain. I want to help you today. Here's the reality of forgiveness. That it is work to keep a clean conscience. It's work. It's exercise. It's effort. I don't know that it ever is a one-time decision. I think that it's an ongoing, like you maintain your vehicle or you maintain, I think that's how it is with your heart. I think you are always trying to cleanse and purify and revisit and It's an effort to keep your heart and your mind right with God and right with those around you. I heard the story about the man that went to his doctor and he said, Doctor, I've been messing up. 
failures, mistakes, bad choices. He said, my conscience, my conscience is really troubling me. The doctor asked the man, are you wanting something that will strengthen your willpower? The man said, well, no, not really. I was thinking that you could give me something that would weaken my conscience. We will ultimately, we will ultimately either change our lives or we will adjust our conscience. When Paul says, I'm going to exercise myself to have a clean or a clear conscience. Maybe you could hear that scripture today, that verse, and you say, well, Micah, that's easy for him to say. You don't know my life. It's easy for you to preach or teach. You don't don't know what I've been through. Here's some of the things that Paul went through according to 2 Corinthians 11 said, five times the Jews gave me a punishment of 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was almost killed with rocks. Three times I was in ships that were wrecked. One of those times I spent the night and the next day in the sea. My constant traveling, I've been in danger from rivers, thieves, my own people. People who are not Jews have been in danger of cities and places where no one lives on the sea. I've been in danger from people who pretend to believers to be believers, but, but they're not. I've done hard and tiring work. Many times I did not sleep. I've been hungry, thirsty. Many times I've been without food. I've been cold, without clothes. There's many other problems. One of these is the care of all the churches. I worry about each group of believers every day. I feel, I feel weak every time that another person is weak and feel deeply upset when other people are led into sin. See, this man, this spiritual leader, this apostle, Apostle Paul, when he says it's effort, it's work to keep a clear conscience, to keep a clean conscience, doesn't say those types of things because his life was easy. He said them because it was a priority to him. Today, if you're thinking, Pastor Micah, I have all kinds of people. I have all kinds of pain. I have all kinds. That still doesn't excuse you and I from making the effort to live with clean hands and a clean heart. Let me ask you today. Maybe it's not verse 24 to 29, like Paul that I just read to you. But what is your list? What is your line? Maybe you're not going to say, I was beaten 39 times with rods, or I was stoned, or I was shipwrecked. Or, But what's your story? What are the dates that have damaged you? What are the moments that have marked your life? Because everyone has a line. Everyone has a list. Where for Paul, he can step us through what his looked like, but what's yours today? When I look at this this line, 
I look at these items, whether it's bitterness, whether it's baggage, you look at all of these these dates, 1997, 1992, offense. For some people, it could really go all the way back to this, your childhood. One thing I've learned in the 30 years, I don't take anything away from someone's story. There are people that have sat in those rooms with me and have shared their pain, that I have had tears that began to come down my cheeks just hearing what they have walked through where I had no idea about a parent who left. I had no idea about abuse. I had no idea what a sibling had done, an aunt, an uncle, a babysitter. I had no idea. I, I am in no way taking away from the pain. I am in no way saying those people are right. I'm in no way saying it's not a big deal. I'm just telling you that these types of things, these moments, these days, these dates, this baggage, this hurt, has a way of attaching itself to our heart. The line keeps getting longer. The list keeps building up. Maybe for others it's this chair. This chair came out of a church from years and years and years back, this chair. Some people could take me back to your past experiences with religion or church and say, Micah, the reason I don't have a good relationship with God is because of some of the things that happened in that chair. That chair, that church, that... What's your story? What's the family member's name? What's the preacher's name? What's the employer's name? What's the ex's name? The neighbor's name? The coach's name? Who is it? Who is it that has that place in your heart that you're holding God back from? When I look at baby names, these are some of the names that you could call your child. Sophia, Madison, Avery, Ella, Scarlett, Grace, Chloe, Victoria, Riley, Lily, Aubrey, Zoe, Penelope, Lillian, Addison, Layla, Natalie, Camilla, Hannah, Brooklyn, Zoe, Nora, Leah, Savannah, Audrey, Claire, Eleanor, I love that one, Skylar, Ellie, Samantha, Stella, page two, Paisley, Violet, Myla, Allison, Alexa, Anna, Hazel, Ariana, Lucy, Caroline, Sarah, Genesis, Kennedy, Sadie, Gabriella, Madeline, Adeline, Maya, Autumn, Aurora, Piper, Haley, Ariana, Kaylee, Ruby, Serenity, Eva, Naomi, Alice, Luna, there's 40 pages. Page 3. <laughs> Bella, Quinn, Lydia, Peyton. You know how when someone hurts you, 
whether they said, whether they done, whether they got on social media and posted, whether they told someone that told someone that told someone. It could have been a business dealing that went bad. It could have been that that person harmed you and hurt you to the very core of your heart. But now their name is embedded deep. That if someone was to say, would you call your child, would you want your grandchild to be called? Just even the thought of their name. Does a name come to mind today? Can you think of a name? Could you put a name in a face? Is there part of you that was like, I don't even want my kid to play with another kid who has the name? You see how powerful, you see how powerful unforgiveness can be in your life? And then we begin to pray and say, God, do something new in my life. You know, like Isaiah talks about it. Do new things in my life. You know, like the Bible will say that new days and new mercy and do that in my life. And while we're wanting that and while we're desiring that and while we're praying for that, we have somehow these contingencies on God and we tell Him, but, but I just want you to know when you open this new season, a new door for me, that I'm bringing all of this with me. Because when I come, it all comes with me. I've got 1997, I've got the bitterness, I've got two churches ago, I've got my ex, I've got the names, I've got, God, I just want you to know, when I come, I'm coming with all of this. We wonder sometimes, why we struggle to see the newness of God in our lives. Could it be that it's because we are dragging so much of the old that we never really get to enjoy the new? You see, this list and line eventually becomes a leash or an anchor that holds us back. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, says, put out of your life all these things. Bad feelings about other people, anger, temper, loud talk, bad talk which hurts other people, bad feelings which hurt other people. You must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Forgive other people just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. And I ask you a question today in closing. What if God forgave me like I have forgiven others? Same stipulations, same excuses, same exceptions, same conditions and clauses, same requirements and restrictions. Let's take it just a step further. What if God is forgiving me? 
like I am forgiving others. We often pray the Lord's Prayer. We'll say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice this, and forgive us our trespasses. As, as, I want to help you today, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. You see this two-way street. Think about what you and I just prayed. What if we really ask God, I want you to forgive me my debts as I have forgave my debtors. Really? Is that what you want, Micah? Is that what you want today? Do you want God to forgive you like you forgave them? Where it's like, I like, but I won't love. Forgive, but I won't trust. Forgive, but I'll never forget. Do you really want God to forgive you like you forgave them? Who would want a God? Who would want a God that would say, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to trust you again? I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget what you've done. Who would want that kind of a God? I don't know about you today, but I love the thought that when he forgives me, he takes my sin and puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. I love a God that says, when I forgive you, that I am going to wipe that slate clean. Is there anyone else today that's grateful for that kind of a God in your life? In his book, Lee, The Last Years, Charles Braceland Flood reports that after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a Kentucky lady who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in the front of her house in the front yard was the remnants of remains of this tree. He tells in the book that this woman bitterly cried. She looked at the limbs and the trunk that had been destroyed by the federal artillery fire, as tears were streaming down her face and she is pointing towards the remains of these limbs in her tree. The book says that she looked to Lee for a word condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. And after a brief silence, Lee responded, Cut it down, my dear madame. And forget it. It is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain. Let bitterness take root and poison the rest of our life. Here's what the Apostle Paul would say. The same guy who said, I'm going to exercise to have a clean or a clear conscience. The same guy who went through the shipwreck and the beating and the stones and said, I get a lot of care and trouble, but, but I don't want it to get to my heart. Same guy is going to tell us here in Philippians 3, brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go. But there's one thing, there's one thing I do. I forget what is in the past. Forget what is in the past. You say, Micah, does that take away the chair? No. 
doesn't mean doesn't mean that what they said, what they done, and how they acted doesn't mean it was right. It just means I'm not going to drag it into 2020. I'm not going to go into every job interview. I'm not going to walk into a church service. I'm not going to go to every reunion, every get-together, every holiday. not going to drag this along behind me. I've done that too much already, Micah. Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind. You see, when you look at this list and this line, you see all these items. One of the most powerful items that every one of us carry is this right here. It's a mirror. Many of you look into this mirror multiple times a day. But more than even just in the natural, you look into this mirror spiritually, emotionally. You look in that mirror and you're reminded of what you did in the past. Some of you have this, this anchor because of what others have done to you. Others have it because of what you've done to your own self. Where if I talked to you, you would begin to tell me, Pastor Micah, eight years ago, 15 years ago, I said, I done, I win, I cheated, I lied, I... We keep pulling it. We keep dragging it. When we do that, we're missing out the opportunity to live clean. How many of you have children, grandchildren? Especially my little guys. They are always wanting to take my phone, they're always wanting to take my iPad. Does anyone have kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews that want to do that? Like, Where's a phone? Where's a tablet? Where's an iPad? And then when I get it back, it's usually got a little bit of juice or candy or fingerprints everywhere. Remnants of chips or popcorn. Or and without fail, Without fail, when I take my phone or my tablet or my iPad, or I have got every app imaginable that's open. I've got video games and I've got music and I've and I have to start double tapping and I have to start sliding up, killing app after app after app after app, knowing full well if I don't. It's going to drain batteries. They'll have everything happening on this. As we get ready to pray today, I, I think sometimes our spirituality, our heart, is just like that. That if the Holy Spirit was to say, come here, let me see your heart. 
Let's see your mind today. Let me look at your life. What are the chances that the Holy Spirit would open up your life and start saying, what? You're still saving that screenshot? That's four years ago. You're still talking about two churches back? Why do you have all these apps open? Why are you still living in your sin from 12 years ago? Why are you still beating yourself up? And then we wonder sometimes where, why our battery's dying. We're wondering like, I just feel so weak and so down and so tired. And Pastor Mike, I just wish I had more joy. What if you've got so many things killing, zapping, destroying, because you've never really taken time. Close it. Close it. Delete it. Never really focused on what it means, like Paul said, to forget the things that are behind and to reach forth to the things that are before. As we get ready to pray, what does your future, what does your future need your present to do about your past? Can we say that together? What does your future need your present do about your past? Now can we make it personal and say it about your own life? What does my future need my present to do about my past? Can I tell you what the enemy wants you to do? The devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, he doesn't want you to live a clean life. He actually would love nothing more than for you to get another chain. Let's add a few more things to the list. Let's make it longer and longer. Let's drag this stuff around for the rest of your life. Let's live with that less than energy and that less than abundant life and that less joy and less peace. That's what the enemy wants you to do. But Jesus didn't die on a cross. Jesus didn't give his life so that you would drag around your past came so he could set you free. And the Bible says when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. When you look at your future, here's where you're at. You could turn these pages next month. You could turn the page. This, this is now your future. You don't know where February and March is taking you. You don't know if you were to go all the way to the very back. You don't, you don't know where the end of the year is looking at for you. You get to the end of the year. You're going to see here it's going to give you a calendar of even into 2021 it's going to start. And I ask you today, again, what does your future need your present to do about your past? whether it's your marriage, whether it's your children, whether it's your family and extended family, whether it's the call of God or the purpose of God in your life. What does your future need your present to do 
about your past. If your future could talk to you right now, what would it say? What would your future tell you right now? Let it go. Stop bringing it up. Stop dragging it around. Stop rehashing it. What does your future need your present to do about your past? Here is the model, the template that Christ gave us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things. This is how God treats us. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Think about the person that hurt you most. Think about the date that drug you down. Think about that moment that you feel marked you. I want you to think about it. And can I tell you today as we pray, there is no one and nothing that is worth you missing out on God's best for your life. I would love nothing more in this prayer than for you to let your guard down. Maybe you've not ever, you've never allowed the Holy Spirit, you've never allowed the grace and mercy of God, you've never allowed the forgiveness of God to get to that part of your heart. You've carried that revenge, retaliation, that resentment, you've carried that mindset of I always, I will always remember Micah. But what if right now you let your guard down? I feel the Holy Spirit, even as I say, just let your guard down. You say, God, I want you to come in today. I want you to help me with forgiveness. Maybe it is the childhood. Maybe it is the church. Maybe it is the coach or the boss or the job. But would you let him come in today and help you with forgiveness? You may not solve it all in this moment. I'm not even really looking for the solution right now. It could be counseling. It could be meetings. It could be Bible reading. It could be you taking some necessary steps. So I don't have all the answers for the solution in totality, but I am asking you to start. We could start today. You could let the guard down. and You could say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come into my life. I want to have clean hands. I want to have a pure heart thirty years the most justified conversation unforgiveness I have witnessed I'm asking you today not to justify it I'm asking you please not to excuse it Not to say, yeah, but Micah, you don't know. I'm asking you to look at your life and saying as bad as it might have been and as painful as it was, I'm not going to allow that to continue to breed resentment, hate, bitterness, offense. I'm not going to let that continue to be drugged year after year after year after year in my life. God, I'm asking for help today. Would you close your eyes and give me the opportunity to pray with you?
I've heard people say over the years that Jesus was given a name above every name. I love those verses. And they'll say, he's been given a name above discouragement. He's been given a name above disease. He's been given a name above depression. And we'll celebrate the name. We love the name of Jesus. But today I want to do something a little bit different than discouragement or disease or depression. I want you to think about the name of the person. I want you to think about the name of the lie. The name of the post. I want you to think about the name of the abandonment. I want you to think about the name of the one that walked out. I want you to think about the name of the the person who took something that in your mind you'll never get back. I want you to put a name on it. Now I want you to really believe in God's holy presence today that Jesus has been given a name above even that. Above even that name. That person does not need to be the barometer, the thermometer of your life. They do not need to dictate and direct your emotions. But that going into this new year, you could go in clean. That Jesus can help you to get started today. This may not be for everybody, but it definitely could be for somebody. If you think of a specific name today, someone you would really like to get past, someone that you don't want every time it comes up for a flood and wave of emotions to destroy your day and for some of you even more, longer. If you think of a name right now, you would say, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray for me. I want to do better when it comes to dragging this over and over and over in my life. If someone comes to mind, I want you to lift a hand up. I know it's a moment of transparency and honesty, but thank you. Thank you. Hands are still going up. Thank you. I want you to help me with it, God. Hands are still going up. This is a big deal. You never dreamed out of everyone that would have done it to you. I didn't think it would be my brother. I didn't think it would be my parent. I didn't think it'd be my friend. I didn't think it would be. See some of you wiping tears. Come on, let's not elongate the chain. I know the enemy wants you to do that. He wants you to get that chain and he wants you to keep adding to it. I know that's what he wants you to do. But I'm asking you today, don't play into the enemy's tricks for your life. This is a chance to come clean. This is a chance to say enough is enough. My future's calling on it. My future's hoping for it. Come on, present. Come on, present. This is a powerful prayer right now. Come on, present. Do something about your past. Do something about your past that your future will thank you for later. God, I pray over every heart right now for some that would say, God, I need you to forgive me of my sin. For others would say, forgive me of unforgiveness, offense, bitterness. For some that would say, Pastor Mike, I'm starting right now. And if I don't have all the solution, I'm at least taking a step.
I'm making a start today. The Bible says, love those that hate you and pray. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Can I, can I ask you to pray one of the toughest prayers? Would you pray for that person right now? It's not my words, it's God's words. Love those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Would you pray for them right now? Would you pray that God would save them? Would you pray that God would turn their life around? It's opposite of revenge. It's opposite of retaliation. But would you pray for them right now? God, I'm asking you today. Such a holy moment right now. I see many of you already praying with family or friends, but but if you're close to someone you love, and maybe they're one of the ones wiping tears, you could just take them by the hand right now or put your arm on their shoulder. Can, can we just... Can we just hold on to this holy moment for, for a minute? Would you just pray that the people that are close to you right now, God, help them to be clean. Help them to go into 2020 with a clean heart, clean hands. Help them to go in with the joy of the Lord. Help them to go in with the peace of God. Help them not to harbor that hurt over and over again. This is a beautiful moment right now. Maybe it's family or extended family. Maybe it's in-laws, but would you just pray right now? I, I see maybe more couples praying together right now than I've ever seen. I see husbands and wives praying together all over the room. This is a holy moment right now. Clean our hearts. Clean our hearts. Clean our hands. Clean our spirits. When I go into 2020, I'm not dragging that stuff. I want to go into 2020 with faith. I want to go into 2020 with purpose. I want to go into 2020 with the plan of God for my life. I want to go into 2020 with freedom. Come on, Holy Spirit, go to work right now. Go to work, Holy Spirit. Go to work, Holy Spirit. Go to work, Holy Spirit. I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. I surrender all today. Come on, tell Him from your heart, I surrender all. I cast all of my cares, not some, not most. I give it all to you today. God, I feel your love right now. I believe you're helping someone to find freedom right now. Someone is making a start. Someone is taking a step. And I thank you for it, Jesus. And I pray these prayers in your name. The name that's above every name. Are you thankful for Jesus today?